Thank you, choir, and John, and Debbie for the testimony and leading us in worship. Psalm 113, Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? We just sang that. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you walk with us all along our pilgrim journey. And we do want you to walk with us. Walk with us now as we explore your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's time for church to start on Sunday morning. And uh, the doors to the actual sanctuary were open. And, and then the door to the outside was open too as people were arriving. And after the service had started, those doors were open still. And uh, it was at just that time that a pigeon was checking out the church, seeing which church that it wanted to become a member of. Okay? And so the pigeon flies into the church and is fluttering up above in the sanctuary. And, and the ushers were panicked to just imagine Bill Myers moving faster than he's moved in 30 years. He can't hear me. Is he in here? Tell him I talked about it. Alright, Becky in here. Alright. Ah yes. Just imagine you can imagine that. Okay. So imagine Bill 30 years ago, you know, just kind of running around, but to no avail. Now, if a pigeon flies in here and you're sitting in the group, what's your first reaction? What do you do? That's exactly right. So everybody in the congregation is covering their heads, you know, we don't want to be bombed by whatever calling card the pigeon wants to make. And eventually they realize, you know, there's nothing that we can do to get this pigeon out of here. The pigeon wants to worship, so let the pigeon worship, and we're just going to stay. And so things calm down, and the pastor asks a question. What does it say about our church that the Lord sends us a pigeon and not a dove? What, what does that say about us? And then for the rest of the service, periodically, the pastor, the choir, the congregation, everybody would do what? <laughs> they would look up. They would connect with verse 5 and 6 of our passage. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, and who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? 
It's an image, of course, to point to the transcendence, to describe the transcendence of God. It's not that if we got in a spaceship and traveled far enough, we would eventually find God looking down. The image is to help us understand what is incomprehensible, that God exists in uh, a reality that's apart from ours, that, that God lives in a realm that the Bible calls heaven, the kingdom of heaven, that is apart from our earthly realm. Yet at the same time, as this image shows, God sees everything that goes on in this realm that we know. And through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know that God is at home with us, Jesus walking with us in this realm, always through the Holy Spirit. And so this passage uses this wonderfully imaginative setting to point to that heavenly reality that we believe to be true, that God is on high and sees everything, sees all, and looks down. And there are so many biblical implications of this truth. God looks upon the world and sees our sin and evil, yours and mine and everyone else's. And so God looks upon us with judgment, but also through Jesus Christ with forgiveness. And God looks and sees the pain and brokenness and suffering of humanity. Think of the Israelites in Egypt crying out to God in their slavery. And God seeing them, hearing their cry, and through Moses delivering them from bondage. And God from on high, from this realm that we call heaven, sees our joy and sees the Experience of abundant life that we often experience through Jesus Christ. God sees it all, the psalmist says. So lots of directions to go with this truth, but this morning I want to invite us to think about God's knowledge, God's vision, as a way of reminding ourselves that God knows our story. Think of your life as a life story. God knows your life story. It's beginning, it's end, and everything in between. And God knows not only your stories, but the stories of all who have ever lived. And so the Lord is present with us amid our stories. When we experience pain and suffering, when we cry, Psalm 56 verse 8 says, The Lord collects our tears. In his bottle. Look it up. Psalm 56 8. He collects our tears in his bottle. God sees and God is with us. Psalm 139, the entire psalm, speaks of God's presence, of God's thoughts toward us. God is forever thinking of us. Psalm 139 says, How vast are the sum of your thoughts toward us? That psalm says. God is fascinated with your life and the life of all who have ever lived and all who live now. Which means that your life and the life of every person you've ever laid eyes on has incredible value, incredible worth. That it is uh, given this worth through, through our Creator, 
who made us and knows us and loves us and through Christ redeems us. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you questioned your value? When you wondered if you were all that you were meant to be? When, when you wondered if you were really loved? Psalm 113, verses 5 and 6, is something to remember when we come through those times. That the Lord looks down on the heavens and on the earth and sees us and sees us through the lens of Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave his life for us, to prove to us, to show us, to demonstrate to us how much we are loved, how valuable we are. God knows your story. God wants to be a part, is a part, wants you to acknowledge that you are a part of God's story and God is with you. And so this psalm invites us to embrace God's presence and vision watching over our life stories. It also calls us, by the way, to be attentive to each other's life stories. If God knows you and knows everything about you, the good and the bad and the, the joy and the sorrow, then we imperfectly, but we are called to know and bless one another by knowing each other's stories. By being present with each other in our pain, we can't have a bottle to collect tears, but we can cry with each other. And, and we can honor one another's stories through our listening and through our invitation to invite people to share their stories with us. We begin with our families, our church family, our, the people we work with, uh, go to school with, but also, especially, neighbors in pain who are longing to experience God's love for their story through a follower of Jesus who will listen to their story. So God transcends everything, looks on high at our lives, at the world, at all the mess we made, but also at each of our life stories and loves us. And what is our response to be? Our response is found in the first three verses of the psalm. We offer our lives in praise to God and gratitude for who God is. Three times in verse 1, the word praise is used. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And then, just in case we missed it, the psalm ends in verse 9 with the same words. Praise the Lord. Things change a bit to focus in verse 2 on the name of the Lord. And instead of praise, the word blessed, blessed is used. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Not just in this moment, but from this time on and forevermore, always. Wonderful image that Rachel gave us with the clock just a moment ago. And then verse 3, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. All of our waking moments are to be offered in praise to God. That doesn't mean that we are always consciously thinking about praising God. It means that we commit to living our lives in such a way, to thinking, acting, and speaking in such a way that God's name is always praised by who we are and by what we do. And so we come in this place right now, the Fellowship Hall soon, the sanctuary, but also the chapel. Once a week, we gather in this place to praise God and to acknowledge that the Lord sits on high, reigns from above, and to orient our lives around this truth that God sees it all and loves us and comes to the world in Jesus Christ to save and to redeem. 
we center our lives each week in this truth as we worship together. So whenever we travel to uh, Morgantown or move in that direction, we just get in this routine. When you travel the same places or on the same routes, do you, like us, stop at the same places along the way? You got your favorite gas station that has your favorite cup of coffee and your favorite restaurant? Yeah, we, we tend to do that. All right, so we always stop in Braxton, West Virginia, for uh, gas and for, um, and for food, for, for lunch. And uh, recently, we stopped in Braxton, West Virginia, for gas and for food. And there was a little fender bender at the bottom of the exit. No one was hurt, but traffic was backed up. So uh, we were backed up a little bit longer than normal at the light, so I had some time to look around. I've never set foot in Braxton, West Virginia, other than at the gas station at the restaurant where I set foot. So I'm looking around, and I notice the folks, I guess it's from the Braxton Chamber of Commerce, have been really smart because they've got a sign right there as you drive into town that says, Braxton... Center yourself here. Center yourself here. Now that's some good marketing. Because what are they saying? They're saying, come and put some roots down here. Be a part of this town. Be at home here. But when we say center yourself here, to be centered doesn't limit you to this place. Center yourself here. So then you can go out to Charleston, if that's where you work, or to Clarksburg, or to Morgantown, or to wherever, but then come back and be centered here. And so it is for us at Fifth Avenue Baptist Church and every other church. We center ourselves each Sunday in worship as we praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord this time on and forevermore. And then we go out to serve the Lord in whatever it is that we do the rest of the week. And then we come back to center ourselves once more in the truth that God transcends us, watches over us, loves us, and wants to fulfill his purposes in the world through us. Center yourself here in worship. Praise be to God. Well, the psalm in verses 4 and 5 speaks of, excuse me, verses 5 and 6 speaks of uh, God's Presence on high, seated on high, watching over all of the world. And then verses 4, verse 4 and verse 5, speak of God's power. Verse 4, the Lord is high above all nations. There's a, a power dynamic there. God transcends us as individuals. God transcends uh, the power of any earthly entity. And God watches over the nations. God watches over the world in justice, in judgment, and in love. And then we see in verse 5, who is like the Lord, seated on high. Seated on high. The image is not of your favorite rocking chair on the porch. The image is of a throne. Who is like the Lord, seated in a throne from on high. Watching, yes, but watching in power. So let's apply this image of God watching in power to the news of the past week. Whenever one nation unjustly, whenever one nation attacks another, practices injustice, God works for justice. Whenever there is the threat of war, God works for peace. And so as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
in this conflict between Iran and Saudi Arabia and then with the United States, our own government involved, as we pray for God's peace and justice, we pray to the one who sits above, power on high, above all nations. We think Friday about the climate change protests, mostly young people, hundreds of thousands across the globe, seeking to draw attention to this, uh, this ecological danger that, as we think ahead by the decades, will be an incredible challenge. We think of that. We think of God on high in power with the good. I don't know how to handle that, but God on high with the, the power to bring nations and peoples together to figure out what needs to be done so that it can be done and we can finally better fulfill our calling from Genesis 1 to be faithful stewards of all that God has made. Not just looking over us, but looking over the entire world in power and in love. Able to accomplish God's purposes, inviting us to be vessels through whom the purposes of God are furthered. So verses 4 through 6 speak of God's power, God's knowledge, God's view seated on high. Verses 1 through 3 bring forth our response. We praise the Lord Sundays and with all of our lives from the rising of the sun to its setting. We praise the Lord. And then a question comes. If God is on high, if God sees all, if God has this vision from heaven of everything that goes on, if God knows all of our stories, then how will the Lord use this power? How will the Lord in power uh, come and be a part of our world? And here we see the answer in verses 7. The God on high, all power, what does he do? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. To make them sit with princes and the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Let's look at that first from a spiritual perspective. Every single one of us are spiritually poor, spiritually needy, and spiritually barren. All of us. And through Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, and through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, God reaches down to lift us out of our spiritual poverty, neediness, and barrenness, giving us forgiveness, giving us grace, giving us purpose, giving us the ability to fulfill our created purpose, doing the work of God in the world. And so as followers of Jesus, as we praise God, centered in worship, we go out into the world during the week to give witness to the love of Jesus Christ. To rub elbows with other spiritually poor and needy and barren people. And to help people walk to Jesus where we have found that love that only he can give. We respond in worship and praise and then we go out into the world following verses 7 through 9 to give witness to the love of Jesus. But verses 7 through 9 are not just about spiritual needs. They are concrete, physical needs that the Lord responds to. The, res the Lord responds, raises up the poor from the dust, raises up, lifts up the needy, 
gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. God is at work in the world, caring for those who suffer, caring for those who hurt, caring for those who, who are not experiencing all of the flourishing in life that they were made to experience. And we as the church are called to be a part of that work, to be vessels through whom God lifts people up, raises people up, and gives joy where there is barrenness. Now, the Lord doesn't always lift out of poverty every poor person. Does not give children to every barren woman who longs for children. And that's one of those questions that we can't answer now. We won't be able to answer until we're with the Lord. Why, O oh Lord, do you at times raise this person up and bless this person in this way, but, but not this person or this situation? We don't know the answer to that. But we do know the heart of God to lift up, to raise up, to bless. And we know when those blessings do not happen the way we want them to happen. Psalm 56, verse 8 again. The Lord is with us in our tears, and he collects our tears in his body. The call for us then from this verse is to praise God and give thanks to the one who lifts us up and lifts up all who are needing, needy. But to also so center ourselves in worship that as we praise God on Sundays, we serve the Lord and others throughout the week. In other words, it's an invitation to live the entire psalm. To know and worship, verse 4, 5, and 6, the one who reigns above, and to offer our praise, verses 1 through 3, and then to move from this place to live out verses 7, 8, and 9. To participate with the Lord. As the Lord draws people to Jesus. And as the Lord meets needs among us. Worship and service. Worship and witness. They go together. We can't have one without the other. We can't be truly centered in worship. If we're not also serving later in the week. And if we just serve in the week and aren't in worship. And not offering ourselves to praising God. Our service becomes hollow. It's weaker than it would be. We need the song in its entirety. For me, this connection happened um, 30 years ago this year, 1989. Uh, I was a junior in college, and our school offered in January a J term. You take one class for the month, or you can do an internship, or you can develop some kind of travel program, whatever you want to do. But, but that year... Uh, I took a course from a professor on campus who uh, had us involved in, throughout the month, volunteering in different ministries in the community. Most of the time I spent working with Habitat for Humanity. I wasn't familiar with Habitat until that time. It was a powerful experience. And we read books that talked about the needs of the world and how God calls us to, to meet those needs. And so it was a life-changing event for me, being exposed both to the needs of the world that I was unaware of, but also having a chance to act that out, to act on those needs, giving some tools to use to bless others. So that was in January of 1989. And then in June, July, in the first part of August in 1989, I got to serve as the youth ministry intern at First Baptist Church in Wilmington, where Mike Queen, who grew up at Fab, uh, was the pastor. And so I uh, did a lot of work with the youth and all the kind of stuff that you do in youth ministry, but one of the things that stuck with me from that experience for the first time in my life 
Sunday morning worship truly, I, I had an awareness that in this moment something powerful is going on as the congregation gathers to sing and to pray and to hear a sermon and all of those things. Something more than just the routine that I had been brought up in, which was wonderful in and of itself, but something deeper happened and I became aware that God really is here when we gather together, when we ring the bells, when we play the piano, when we give our tithes, when we eat the donuts and coffee even, yes, even then, that God is here. And we are called, the, the God who sits above, transcends us, is here, watching us, loving us, and we are called to respond in praise. And somewhere along the way in that summer, I put the two experiences together. The January term, working with people in need, the summer, experiencing, appreciating worship in a new way. And hopefully ever since, with fits and starts, faithfully and unfailed, faithfully, I've been able, we've been able, all of us have been able to hold the two together like Psalm 113 does. To center ourselves in worship. And then to go out from worship to serve the God who lifts up the poor and raises up the needy. And then to circle back again and to do it all over. It's the rhythm of life in the church. It's the rhythm of deeper praise. It's the rhythm of followers of Jesus. Praise the Lord, the one who sits on high, who looks down from heaven, who is high above all nations. The same one who raises the poor from the dust. We worship, we work, and we witness, and we believe the Spirit is at work in all of these things, and we find ourselves, we find our lives truly centered in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May it be so for you, for me, for all of us, all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Center us in you, O oh God. You who know each of our stories. Center us in you so that we can Embrace your knowledge and share your love for stories by hearing each other's stories. Center us in you that we may praise you together each week and that we may praise you with our lives throughout the week. Center us in you, O oh God, that we may participate in your work of raising people up to Jesus and raising people up to the life you created them to live. Oh God, we thank you for your love and your presence among us. We offer ourselves to you in worship and in praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise to the Lord the Almighty. Hymn number 210. So we will end our service by committing ourselves to praise the Lord throughout the week 
and praising the Lord right now. As always, as we sing, if there are decisions to share, to profess your faith publicly in Jesus for the first time, or as a follower of Jesus to unite with our church, I'll stand right here to welcome you. Or you may simply need to come forward and pray. Would you stand as we sing together? Thank you.